Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. First pick in the 2020 draft, the Cincinnati Bengals select Joe Burrow, quarterback, LSU. Going deep on his first throw to Smith. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Draft Brawl Podcast on the Brawl Network. I am your host, Tyler. Joined by my two co-hosts, as usual, Saray and Dante. And today is a beautiful day, not necessarily in football, but just in the sports universe in general. You know, we got basketball returning tonight at the time of this recording. Baseball is back for now, at least. Um, And we hope it lasts, obviously, for now. But, uh... You know, I'm excited, man. You know, basketball returns today, like I mentioned, and baseball has, you know, been back for a week, and I've been enjoying it, just sports being back in general. You know, how you guys been doing with that, and you guys excited to talk about the tight end class for the upcoming draft? I am excited to talk about the tight ends, but I am distraught over the fact that the Phillies have been canceled in a week, and, uh, you know, I, I waited a long time, and, you know, I blame the Marlins. It's all their fault. Yeah. Leave it to yeah. Florida to mess everything up. Yeah, it's really. Good. Very fair. Me and uh, mine and Saray's team has been doing pretty well in baseball so far. He's a Colorado Rockies fan. I'm a Detroit Tigers fan. And uh, both their teams, man, you know, they've been really good. I, I believe the Rockies are 5-1 and one or 4-1, and one, and the Tigers are 4-2 and two right now. So, exciting. So, um, for at least now. But uh, let's get into the tight end class. We're not here to talk baseball. We're not here to talk about the NBA. Uh, let's get in straight to the first prospect and, you know, ranked number one by many people, and that's Kyle Pitts. And I'm going to start off with Dante, who's been really high on Kyle Pitts from what we've talked off off air, I've seen on Twitter, um, all his writing. Uh, you're high on Kyle Pitts, and I'm going to let you, you know, explain yourself now. Why are you so high on Kyle Pitts? I mean, it's not a shock, but, you know, I guess you could just explain why more, I guess, more in details. Yeah, so for me, Kyle Pitts is TE1 in this class. Now, I think it's a bit of a stretch to call him a tight end. He, he basically plays slot receiver for the Gators, but you're looking at a player who is an elite mismatch weapon, right? He's got great hands, great size, tremendous movement skills. I think he runs routes better than some of the receivers that we talked about last week in our receiver preview. I mean, this guy can plant his foot and cut, and he's got like nice, sharp breaks. If you watch the LSU game, you know, there are reps where he's beaten Derek Stingley, right, as this all-world freshman. There's reps where he's beaten Christian Fulton. I saw him beat Grant Delpit. You know, that, that that's two second-round picks from last year. Uh, Stingley's probably a first-round pick next year at corner. So Pitts has got it all. He's got great hands, great size, really, really good physical traits. I think the only thing you have to worry about with Pitts, right, is his blocking ability, right? Like the, the Gators don't ask him to do a ton of blocking. I think he has good effort as a blocker. I, I don't think it's a lack of effort or a lack of want. Um, he's just really thin he and he's not that powerful, but he's the tight end one for me because the NFL is moving towards these types of players, you know, mismatch weapons in the slot guys who are, you know, either too quick or too big. And, and Kyle Pitts is almost both of those things for me, which is really what puts him over the top. I think, you know, if you ranked him as a receiver, I'd wager he probably cracks the top 10 and, and this is a good receiver class. And 
you know, we're going to peg him as a tight end, but this is the direction that the NFL is going towards is these mismatched weapons. And Kyle Pitts is the epitome of that. Uh, I haven't seen a tight end come out in a little bit. I, I, you know, compare him athletically to Noah Fan. Fan's probably uh, faster in a straight line, right? Like he's probably faster with the long speed, but I, I might take Kyle Pitts in a tight space. Noah Fant wasn't as explosive as he was, you know, coming out of breaks and running routes and these different things. In a tight space, I'll take Kyle Pitts, that quickness, that acceleration, that ability to sink his hip and change direction. You know, so uh, Pitts is a special athlete for me. He's a mismatched weapon. I don't see a ton of holes in his game outside of blocking. And you can look around the league and find tight ends who have had success in, in this type of role, right? We saw Mike Kosicki have a bit of a breakout season with my team, the Dolphins, last year in this similar type of mold and role. You know, Adam Gase was in there. They were asking him to block, and he was terrible. Big shock. Brian Flores comes in, and, you know, he says, go catch the football. And all of a sudden, you know, he's producing like a top 10 tight end in the league. So, Again, I, 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 that's the kind of role that I see for Kyle Pitts. And for me, he's going with the direction of the league. And that's something I'm trying to be more cognizant of as a scout. Uh, but this is a good class. And, and I think, you know, we'll, we'll get to some of the other guys. This is a good class. There's a couple of options for TE1. But the things that Kyle Pitts do does is, is just more valuable to me than some of the other things that these guys do. And, and he just does them so dang well. It's, it's hard for me to overlook. Yeah, I think it's, you know, fair to mention, like, it's, I think everyone would agree on this, honestly, that this is a way better tight end class than what we saw this year in 2020, by far. Like, I mean, I've never seen a draft class from that tight end position be so weak in 2020. (laughs) It it was awful, dude. Like, no one had a definitive uh, tight end one. And, like, I was, I remember we were talking about one of the division breakdowns. I believe it was, like, the NFC South or something like that. And, or, and, or NFC West, one of them, whatever it was. And I'm like, did you guys – like, it came up. I'm like, did you guys have any of these tight ends in your top 100? And I think you guys said, like, one or two. And it was just – there wasn't many. And it, like, was a controversy anywhere you went. Like, you could make an argument that any of them were tight end one last year, which wasn't really much of a compliment, honestly, which is, you know, kind of sad when you're mentioning the number one, you know, player in your position group, which is crazy to me. But um, that's all I got to say. Uh, Saray, what's your thoughts on Kyle Pitts? Uh, this has nothing to do with Kyle Pitts, but I just seen LaShawn McCoy signed with the Buccaneers. The Bucks, yep. And uh, Nigel Bredham is going to the New Orleans Saints. Wow. You know what's crazy good. about that? You know who could really use a linebacker right now? The uh, Philadelphia Eagles. So that's yeah. that's pretty you know, funny that you, know, you would say that. I don't yeah. know what they're doing, <laughs> but whatever. Um, where was oh Kyle Pitts? Sorry. Breaking uh, news. I, okay. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I spaced out. Oh my gosh. I agree with everything Dante said about Kyle Pitts. Versatility, you can kind of play him in line. Uh, when I turned on the first game last year, week zero against Miami, you've seen a lot of plays where he's in line, you know, kind of behind a tackle. Um, again, he, he, I really wrote down right here, he's an effort blocker with poor technique, right? Like he's going to give his all to go try to reach his man and get to where he needs to go, but the technique is just not there. He doesn't have the frame to really do, so it's not a lot of power behind, you know, his punches and his blocks. Um, I, thought he, I thought obviously the strength needs to improve. Um, I'm nitpicking at Kyle Pitts. I really like what he did. I, I thought he lacked manipulation and route running in terms of, you know, speed when he's on his outbreaking routes, when he's trying to separate from man coverage. I thought he kind of struggled to separate from man against dudes, you know, who were, you know, better in man coverage. Like, you know, there's a lot of plays when they line him up against Stingley, I've seen. I mean, he did catch some balls on Stingley. There are some plays where I've seen him run some fade routes, and there is just no separation being made whatsoever. And I'd maybe not be saying a lot because it's Derek Stingley, but at the same time, I still think, you know, manipulation and route running could improve. Um, there's really not much that I didn't like about him, like other than the strength and, like I said, the lack of manipulation in the routes. 
great credit radius, dude. He's basically an extra receiver. I think he's Evan Ingram. Like, that's exactly who he is to me. Evan may be a little more faster, but, I mean, other than that, dude, that. yeah, I really think they're the same people. Like, I don't see any differences here, dude. Good route runner. He's not afraid to work across the middle. There's a lot of schemes that Florida, you know, ran last year that had him, you know, you know, working in the middle of the field, sitting in zones. Uh, dude, I, literally, he does everything. He's not my tight end one. He's my tight end three. But I really, really, like, they're they're closely graded. Like, they're not that far apart. So, like, if you were to say he was better than Pat Fryermuth or Brevin Jordan, like, it wouldn't bother me. Like, I, the dude is just really that good. I, I hope that he can, you know, add some muscle to his frame. That'd be really important at the next level. And, again, Dante hit a huge point. There's a lot of tight ends in the league who had success. And for one, it was like Jimmy Graham. Couldn't block for shit to save his life, but made a hell of a career in the goal line, made a hell of a career working up the seam. Dude, he had a good career. Now the Bears, you know, overpaid for him. He's, you know, not what he used to be. But he doesn't block for anything. Jay Sturmberger for the for the Packers, he wasn't a great blocker coming out of Texas A&M. And I still think he's going to um, get a lot of opportunities for the Packers. So that's just the way the NFL is moving right now. I don't really think that, you know, if you're worried about – somebody blocking as a tight end you could just be the chicago bears and just have like 50 tight ends on your roster one of them could be good at blocking right so you don't don't ask pissed to block and there's really no negatives for me there yeah that's true and you kind of see that mold kind of happening i feel like you guys have mentioned where teams are you know like making their third tight end the blocking tight end at some point or even their tight end too i I think like the perfect guy in that role is like a darren fells like he's never been a tight end one but he's like the perfect blocking tight end for any team that needs a tight end two or tight end three and, you know, he, he fits that mold perfectly. But like you guys kind of mentioned, you know, that is kind of the mold the NFL is going towards. And now we see guys like Eric Ebron, uh, Irv Smith Jr., who was a top pick in the second round last year, er, in 2019, I'm sorry. Oh, and then um, uh, Noah Fant. Like, th- there's so many of them now. And Evan Ingram, who was another top one. So it is kind of like, you know, the movement of the NFL. Like, unless you got a guy that could do everything, like a George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, or – you have a prospect who is like projected to do all that, a guy like TJ Hawkinson who can block and catch at the same time. I mean, these are the type of tight ends we're going to, you know, see in the NFL as far as, you know, being the top ones, if that makes sense. But as long as you could, you know, be a, you know, receiving option, like I think that's the biggest ability as a tight end now, instead of blocking the blocking aspect, unless you're like a late round guy or, you know, a tight end two or tight end three on a roster. But as long, as far as tight end one, I mean, your best ability is going to, you know, obviously be receiving the ball. So, um, no, I agree with that 100%. Um, let's get into our second prospect. And uh, this is a guy that Saray just kind of alluded to just a little bit ago, and that's Pat Fryermuth from uh, Penn State University, a very impressive prospect. And, um, you know, Saray said he has him, you know, maybe number one or number two. I don't know what it was, actually. So uh, where is he on your list? And, you know, what, what's so special about him as a prospect? I got Pat at 1B and I got Brevin at 1A. They're that closely graded for me. I think Pat, when, when, don't go crazy when I say this, he reminds me of Rob Gronkowski. No. I'm, I'm not saying that he's going to be like the same player Gronk was, be the Hall of Fame top five tight end, but the play styles are very similar, dude. I think he's a bully in the run game. He's a hell of a blocker. He's a great inline tight end. He has good strength. A lot of the traits he carries is what Gronk was good at, dude. And he wears 87. So, I mean, the comparison, you might as well just say I'm correct, right? You might as well just say he's Gronk. Dude, he understands his landmarks. He knows where to sit in zone coverage. Uh, man, good but not great rackability. I think that can improve a lot. He's really hard to tackle. I don't ever think he's going to have a career Gronkowski had. I don't think he's ever going to amount to be the type of player Gronkowski ever was. But just from a standpoint of some of the traits that he's good at, it just reminds me of what Gronk was good at when he was in the league. Um, 
I hate pro comparisons because if, if he doesn't pan out, people going to say I called him Gronkowski and I'm going to like an idiot. But <laughs> Jesus Christ. But, dude, I mean, slow accelerator. I mean, I'm kind of, again, nitpicking because I, I like them a lot, right? Slow accelerator. It takes him a while to get going. Uh, he's above, I think he's above average athlete. I think he's, I think people overhype him in terms of how good of an athlete he is. I don't see this great dominant athlete that people see him as. He's an average route runner. That's not his, his go-to. Uh, dude, I mean, he's just literally, he's just that tight end, kind of like how the 49ers use Kittle. I mean, Kittle is one of a kind, but like, you know, Kittle is like an extra tackle. You can put him out there and he's going to go bully the man in front of him. And that's what Pat does. He does it for four straight quarters. And I think that's something that depending on where he goes, teams are going to either you know, use it to their advantage or it's going to be a disadvantage to him. And I think it's going to be I think everybody has to play in a certain scheme to be successful, right? There's like Kittles and Kelsey's just don't grow on trees, right? That's we can all agree there. Those are so, difficult. Those are just di- different dudes to find, right? I don't ever think we're going to see a tight end like those dudes, you know, in a while, you know, be so good at a lot of things like they are. But again, I really like Pat, dude. I don't, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not saying he's going to be like Gronkowski. He's just some traits that he's really good at. I, I thought Gronk was good at too, man. I, I really like the dude. I think Brevin Jordan's better than Pitts and Fryermuth, but like not that much. But I mean, that's a conversation we and Dante can have, or you know, because I see the face he's making right here. Bias. Uh, he, he is I, a I, Miami Hurricanes fan, but if you guys were wondering, I just man, the athlete at the position is hard to come by. I really think that he's going to be successful. He kind of reminds me of David and Joku, just a little less version of athleticism. Are we talking about Brevin Jordan right now? But Brevin, yeah, Brevin. Okay, Brevin. okay. All right, um, Dante, what's your thoughts on Friar Ruth? Yeah, well, you know, Saray's not the only person to you know, to talk about Gronk, right? Like he's known as Baby Gronk. That's like his his <laughs> thing. So you know, we we can't we can't uh, blame Saray for that 100%. But you know, I I do kind of see what Saray's getting at, right? Like he he's a good blocker. You know, he's a physical down the field seam running tight end. He wears number 87. I get it. You know, there there are some similarities. Um, on a more serious note, though, Fryermuth is a fantastic tight end prospect. Uh, you know, this is a a very much a you know close to it as close to as a complete tight end as we're gonna get from a college prospect I think you know he he doesn't have the same juice and athleticism and and ceiling I think as someone like Kyle Pitts which is why I have Pitts ranked ahead of him but as far as like floor goes I think he has probably one of the higher floors in this class and he also has considerable upside as well so this is a very good prospect and Firemuth is a reliable blocker I don't know if I'd call him a dominant or an extra tackle yet I don't know if we're there for me but I, I do think he's good I think he's above average for a college tight end in that position and one of the things that really blew me away with Firemuth it was you know what, his ability to beat press coverage as a slot and outside player, if you watch the Ohio State film, Ohio State was rolling out Pete Werner, who's kind of their coverage linebacker, to guard Fryermuth one-on-one the entire game, and Fryermuth cooked him about five straight times. I was I was evaluating Warner about a, a week and a half ago, and I and I tweeted out, I was like, I'm too low on Fryermuth. Like, the, this dude's really good. So uh, really, really good body positioning. He knows how to box people out at the catch point. He's got really, really strong hands. He can extend for good catch radius. I think he runs good routes. I, I do. I don't think that his route tree is particularly crazy diverse i think it's solid so i that's a huge plus that he can run you know multiple different types of routes and he's successful at them i think he gets to his points on time i think he's smooth through his movements my biggest thing with fryer mute again is just that i don't think he's an elite athlete this is not a player who i don't think is particularly fast i don't think he's overly quick i don't think he has great burst or acceleration i do think he's really smooth though I think he's a smooth player there's not a lot of wasted movement when he does run its routes it's just plant the foot boom he's out 
you know, and he's able to create separation in those ways. He knows how to use his body. He can lean in with his shoulder and then, you know, come out there and, you know, plant that foot and, and extend his hips and different things. So he's a savvy player. He's a smooth player. A very, very good prospect. I have a late first round grade on Fryermuth. He's my tight end, too. Um, very, very good football player. Well-rounded. You know, if, if he shows a little bit more juice this year, I mean, we're, I mean, he's at Penn State. They got the fountain of youth up there. So, if he can show a little bit more juice this year, I, I would not surprise me if he's a top 15 pick at tight end and, and the first tight end off the board just because teams are going to look at him. And, you know, a team might have Kyle Pitts tight end one, right, because they already have a good blocking tight end. But a team who's looking at just a general hole in tight end, you know, they don't have anybody that they're particularly interested in on their own roster. I would be surprised if Friar Muth wasn't their T1 just because of what he can bring to the table as a blocker right away. So it'll be a team by team thing. But for me, it, it's Pitts and Friar Muth at the top. Uh, I, you know, Friar Muth is, is quite good. I agree with everything you said, especially the part uh, that I wanted to go back on. is like I take pride in having tight ends as athletes. You know, like the way the NFL is going, I can't have a dude like I'm not you know, trying to knock Friar Muth because I think he's really fantastic. But like. I think that's why I have Jordan number one, because I think he's just overall the better athlete than all the tight ends that we're going to talk about today. I mean, he doesn't have the blocking ability like that Pat does, and I don't think really any other tight end in the class kind of does, to be honest with you. But, like, I, I don't know. I think that, again, as you said, it's going to be what a team prefers, right? Like you said, Pitts may be tight end one because a team might already have a blocking tight end on their roster. Or Brevin Jordan may be tight end three for some people because they don't think he can block, and that's what they want to run the football, right? You're not going to consistently have Brevin in there to, or, you know, and Kyle in there either, Kyle for that matter, to go block for four straight quarters. So I think it's really just what teams prefer. I think for me, they're closely graded for me, dude. Like if anybody of these dudes, like if, at the end of the year, if I have Kyle Pitts at tight end one or, you know, Pat at tight end one, it wouldn't, like I wouldn't be mad about that. They're all so good to me. Yeah, and, you know, that's definitely a good point. And, Sarah, you've mentioned him at least four times this episode. Just go ahead and talk <laughs> about him. I'm not going to even say his name. Go Man, ahead. Man, listen, he's tied in one. It's, it's Miami Hurricanes fan, by in the, the way. In, in, the, in the podcast, it's over. It's like, no, seriously. Uh, dude, I, I'm going to get to the negatives first because I think it's something that a lot of people, obviously, you know, I don't want to look like I'm biased here, but he struggles with inconsistent hand placement when he's in one-on-one -on -one blocking situations. When you see him go to you know punch and strike to get his hands on a defender, he just has no clue what he's doing. The technique needs work, right? And I don't know. It's, it could just be coaching for all we know, right? I mean, Miami is tight in you, in my opinion. Some of the dudes that have gone there have been really talented and good at the next level and talented at the collegiate level. But, dude, I, I think it's just maybe coaching. You can, you can. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Coach technique. You can coach a kid where to put his hands. You know, that's just work on the bags and the one-on-ones every day. Um, I think he needs to get stronger at the point of attack while blocking. I think um, when he's going to go meet, meet somebody, he's not 100% fully, um, you know, ready to, you know, put a hurting on somebody. I think he's just kind of, I won't say nonchalant, but the strength there that needs to be there to move his man off the ball is not there. He's a below average blocker, right? Everybody knows that's not his thing, dude. I mean, again, like, like Kyle Pitts, the effort is there and Brevin Jordan is bigger than Pitts. The effort is there, but again, there's some plays where he just is getting tossed like a rag doll, and that's what I mean. Like, you need to get stronger at the point of attack while blocking. And I think he deals with bad quarterback play. I think that's kind of something that needs to be talked about for certain prospects at this level. 
something that um, Tariq Black at Michigan struggles with, and maybe and we didn't get to talk about him at all, but so that's kind of important. So I know like the production is, you know, some people are huge on production, and Brevin Jordan doesn't have insane production because Miami's offense has been hilariously bad for a while now, and like have yet to find a consistent quarterback. Maybe Derek King can change that, and a last offensive coordinator, who knows? But good racketability, right? Great athlete, quick accelerator, catch comfort is amazing. I think it's a matchup problem for linebackers. You leave this dude one on one with a linebacker, you know, if it's not a freak linebacker like, you know, Fred Warner, for say, right, he's going to run by you, right? You have to put a DB on this dude who can actually cover because route running is not his, it's not his greatest trait, but he will beat you to a spot. And I think the athlete, I think that's just the way the NFL is going. I really like the kid. Um, very good with contact balance. There's a lot of plays on film, specifically in the Florida game, that I always go back and watch. Dude, he runs the route, gets open, knocks off two defenders on the way to the end zone, and, and just standing tall when he runs into the end zone. The dude is just, man, I, he's really talented. There's plenty of room for improvement, especially in the blocking aspect of his game and, and getting stronger because I think he has a nice size frame, but, you know, he doesn't have the strength and the blocking technique and power to back it up. So, I mean, I understand why people have him as tight end three. I understand why people have him as tight end two. Um, me, I have him tight end one because I, I'm really high on the athlete. I think the upside is very high for him, and I think I won't say he has a, a higher ceiling than Fryer moves because I think he is the most well-rounded tight end in the class. But I do think that there's, you know, room for growth. I really think he could be successful, you know, in the right system. Okay. Um, now let's get off the bias take of uh, Saray. <laughs> him is not <laughs> Miami. Oh, my God. I can't wait. <laughs> well, I'm messing. I'm messing around. Dante, what's your thoughts on Brevin Jordan? Well, you know, I— take? Yeah, right. Um, I'm totally unbiased. I, I actually have a strong hatred of Manny Diaz because he made me attend two coaches' press conferences in under a month. So Before um, you get into Brevin Jordan, let me say, mm-hmm. <laughs> when I heard he was taking the Temple job, right, I was like, oh, damn, we lost Manny. To, excuse my language, but Temple. <laughs> <laughs> and then I hear that Mark Ritt retired, and I was like, there's no way that Manny doesn't come back and take this head coaching job. And before you yeah. know it, literally, like, not even 10 hours later, he became our head coach again. It, it, it was, uh, he screwed you guys over. He did. It was yeah. Just, no, I remember being at the press conference and him being like, oh, I can't wait to coach here for the next 10 years. And I was like, all right, you know, we got we got a big ACC defensive coordinator. Uh, that was great. Uh, getting into Brevin Jordan. No. <laughs> not the right time, guys, to talk about Brevin Jordan. <laughs> no, not really. No, I, <laughs> I have nothing against Brevin Jordan. He is, he's a really, he's a good tight end prospect, man. I, I love a ton about his game. Great athlete. He's going to beat people with speed. He's going to beat people with quickness. He's going to beat people with size. He's a classic mismatch weapon in the slot. I don't want him anywhere near the line of scrimmage in line as a blocker. Don't want him anywhere near it. Uh, he's a mismatch weapon. I view him in the same mold as Kyle Pitts. Some of the the players that Saray and I mentioned, that's the type of mold, right? The Evan Ingrams, the, the Jimmy Grahams of the world, you know, possibly what the Packers will do with Jay Sternberger, who knows, Irv Smith in Minnesota, like that. That's the type of role that I see for Brevin Jordan. Now, one thing that he does have in this area that is appealing, at least, is that he's a bit thicker than somebody like Kyle Pitts, right? So there is some mass on his frame, and hopefully you could develop him into a blocker, but I don't know. I think that's going to be hard. He doesn't have a ton of experience, and, you know, things just don't look great right now. And I think, you know, Saray brought up a good point, right? One of my biggest not, it's not even like a knock on Jordan, but it's hard to evaluate him sometimes because like they just can't get him the ball enough, right? Like the, the sample size of him running routes and, and him catching in contested situations is just really small. I think he can do a lot more than what he's shown. And obviously that's a part of scouting, but I'm a little bit hesitant to 
invest in it just because I, I haven't seen enough of it. And it's not his fault necessarily, but it's difficult sometimes because, you know, you'll watch the pit game. He'll get beat up as a blocker in the end line. And then he's got like two catches for 16 yards because Miami can't move the ball. So it, it kind of gets difficult. And, you know, I watched like I think I ended up watching like five Miami games. I was like, I just need to see reps. I just need to see more from this guy. Um, so that's one of my biggest things with Jordan right now for me. And, and this is OK. Right. We have a whole nother season and he plays tight end. There's a, a big jump from the NFL, you know, from college, to the NFL as a tight end. So he's going to get time to develop. But right now I have an athlete playing tight end, not a tight end who's an athlete. Right. Like this is not someone for me who, who's running really good routes, precise routes like Kyle Pitts does or even Fryermuth does. This is someone who's just looking to get to a spot as quickly as possible and turn around and hope the ball is there. And sadly for him, the ball is not there a lot of the time. So it, it's a difficult evaluation. I'm, I'm hoping that this, you know, like Saray said, hopefully, you know, Lasley can come in and, and kickstart this offense because Jordan is clearly a very good player. Right. Like this is a first round potential tight end. I, I have him in the second round right now, but the athlete is first round caliber. So, you know, hopefully he can get more opportunities to show what he can do because there's a ton of untapped potential in his game. But for me right now, compared to Fryermuth, compared to Pitts, he's just a little bit too raw. I haven't seen enough to really invest in his upside. You know, Saray probably watches significantly more Miami games than I do. So I can understand why he'd be more willing to invest in that upside. But it's tough, man, because you're going through these games and he's got like three catches, two catches. You know, the Florida game was great because they were feeding him early and he was he was killing those dudes in the middle of the field. Florida defense couldn't cover him and they went away from him for a while and they, they stopped throwing him the ball. And you see that consistently throughout the film. And I don't think it's his fault. It's just it can make it tough to evaluate him at times because there's just so much that you're you just want to see more constantly. So uh, great athlete. High ceiling, very, very interested in his projection. I, I just have a little bit of caution right now. That's very fair. All right. And uh, these next two prospects, I, two guys I'm not really familiar with, honestly. Like, I didn't know really much about them before. And I'm curious to hear what you guys think of them and, you know, maybe where you guys got them projected going, at least right now. I mean, obviously, it's late July, so, like, you can't project that type of stuff and, like, expect it to be accurate at least. But, you know, um, I'll start off with the first one. Uh, Brent Keithy, I believe I'm saying this. I hope I'm saying his name uh, correctly. It's Cuffy? Cuffy? I don't. I couldn't know how to pronounce it either. <laughs> okay. I'm going to well, lie to you. I call that, him Brent. Well, that just, oh. It makes me not feel as bad anymore. Okay, so the tight end out of Utah. Brent, <laughs> we'll call yeah, him. Yeah, we'll call him. Uh, um, I'll start off with Dante, because um, you, you know, before we started the episode, when we were listing off tight ends, we should mention you're the one who brought up this guy. So, um, you know, what could you say about the tight end out of Utah, Brent? I'm just gonna say Keithy. If I'm saying it wrong, I'm saying it wrong. I don't really care. Yeah. So uh, he was one of like my guys for the summer when I went through the tight end class. I was. Really, really impressed with what I saw from him. It's just I hadn't heard his name before I started doing this, um, the list this year. And he really impressed me. I think this is a very, very decent athlete. I think he's quick. I think he has some speed down the field. I thought he did a really nice job running verticals. And he beat some guys down the field. He was Utah's leading receiver last year, which, you know, if you've watched any Utah football, you know they prefer to hand the ball off and run with the quarterback. And they don't really throw to the receivers. But, you know, we'll call him QT, I guess. 600-plus yards receiving, couple of touchdowns. That's pretty good production in a Utah offense. That doesn't put the ball in the air a lot. So that caught my eye immediately. Uh, he's 6'2", 235 is what Utah has him listed at. So he's a little bit small. 
Uh, and, and you can kind of see that as a blocker. He plays a lot of the H-back role, a lot of that like off the line of scrimmage, in-line stuff, you know, where he's he's move blocking and he's and he's the lead guy. So uh, he is a little bit small, but he's got a nice thickish frame to him, you know. So there are some blocking potential there. Uh, if you guys watched Josiah DeGuara last year from Cincinnati, it kind of reminds me of him a little bit, you know, as far as comps are concerned. Um, I think he's got good hands. I thought he was a solid route runner. Uh, but more, most importantly for me, he's got some juice. Utah would hand him the ball on reverses. I, I think the last tight end I saw get a reverse was Noah Fant in 2018. Before that, I can't even remember. So, you know, they have extreme confidence in his ability to out-athlete people. And that's something that pops out to me on film. Um, but he is a little bit raw, right? Like, you know, he's small. I don't think he's that great of a blocker unless he's moving. He has to build up that momentum to generate power because, you know, he's small. I don't think he has a great catch radius. His route tree isn't overly diverse. Um, so this is a player who probably fills a niche role at the next level, but I really like that role. I think he could be really effective as, you know, a tight end to a pass catching weapon, somebody that you sneak out, you know, when teams aren't expecting off play action, I think he can do a lot of those things. I think he can be a productive player at the next level. So uh, I'm looking at my board. I have a high third round grade on him right now. So a high day, you know, a mid day two grade. Um, I, I think that's where he could go. I think he's a good athlete and that goes a long way in today's NFL, especially at the tight end position. He's got good ball skills. He has good hands. If he can show a little bit more as a blocker this year, then I think he can come up the board. You know, if not, you're just going to have to peg him as kind of that H back move blocker role you know, and kind of get him in the slide and get him mismatches so he can beat safeties and, and whatnot. But uh, really interesting prospect. Highly recommend you take him out or check him out. I haven't heard a lot of people talk about him. Um, mm-hmm. He's fun. Okay. Um, Saray, I don't know how much you've watched of him. What's your thoughts on from what uh, you've seen, if you've watched anything? Again, I'm assuming Brandon. you've watched if we put him in our list. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> again, Brandon from Utah, because I don't want to screw up the dude's last name. But um, – <laughs> Yeah, I'll start with um, the negatives, right? Because Dante is a lot higher on him than I am. Back to catch comfort. I thought the rack ability was non-existent. I thought he was an average route runner. And I, I put down, I think he's going to need to play special teams to earn reps in NFL, man. I have a fourth round grade on him right now. Um, I don't see any dominant traits in his game right now. Like there's not one thing I look at him and go, yeah, he's he's 100% great at that. I don't see anything right there. Like, you know, Pitts, it's, you know, the route running, it's the ability to get open, um, you know, his frame, it's, he's like an Evan Ingram, right? Drevin Jordan, it's, it's the athleticism. Pratt Fryermuth, it's, you know, the blocking, it's the ability to run up the seam, get open, stuff like that. There's a lot of dudes on this list we're going to talk about that are, have at least one dominant trait. I don't see that in his game. Um, I did think he was a good athlete who moves well. He's a try-hard mentality, man. Good competitive toughness. He's going to play from snap to whistle every down. He shows a little versatility. He played fullback in the H position a little bit. You know, again, Utah likes to run the hell out of the football, so it's not surprising seeing, you know, how they use them. Um, again, I, I watched three games. I know I need to go back and watch more, but from the three games I watched, didn't see enough of him for me to really think that, um, you know, right now he'd be a super effective. I'm not saying Dante said that, but for right now, I don't think he's going to be like a super effective player in the NFL. That's fair. And um, I'm going to keep it with you, Surreal, on our next prospect, Ch- Charlie Kohler from Iowa State you know you're the one who mentioned to bring him up in this episode and um, I'm curious why you put him on your top five list you know why you want to talk about him and you know what makes him an interesting prospect so I would say this uh Charlie is not in my top five my top five actually <laughs> oh, consists never mind. of uh <laughs> no you're good he's just really he, I, th- I thought he was okay to watch but I have you know 
right now I wrote down Brevin at one, uh, Pat Fryermith at two, Kyle Pitts three, Hunter Long four, and I have Trey McKitty from Georgia at five. Okay. But um, trying to go back to my notes. I, I, I'm not, I think I'm higher on him than a lot of people are on Twitter. I know Ryan Roberts is not a Charlie Kohler fan at all. We <laughs> talked about that on Twitter the other day. <laughs> Dude, I, I, yeah. I mean, he, he, he's all right, man. He, he's, he's okay. Like, I, I don't think he's – I was looking at the Draft Network's, you know, predictive board, their rankings. They have him rated very highly, right? And that's just, you know, how they you know how they scout and, you know, whatever they came up with. But obviously we all grade differently. I don't think he's as good as people say he is right now during this time, but I think he's something you can work with. I thought he plays much stronger than his frame presents. If you watch him, he doesn't have an outstanding big frame. He's utilized all over the offense, so that's a plus. Again, with the way, like we said, where the NFL is going, versatility is kind of important. You know, they line him in line, they line him in the slot. Uh, you know, he kind of played next to the tackle, kind of you know lined him up all you know everywhere. He wasn't afraid to play in the trenches. Again, he plays bigger than his frame presents. I think that he's not afraid to go in there, put his head down, and you know, push the pile. You know, fight for extra yards. You know, ran a run game. He's a tough dude. Uh, I thought he excelled on quick slants, crossing routes. He was a huge red zone threat. A lot of his touchdowns came in the red zone, man. I thought he has a really good catch rate, and he's really aggressive at the catch point. Lack speed. He struggles to beat man coverage, which is important at the next level. He has rack ability, which is, you know, struggles to really pop to me on film, and the route running needs work. Uh, I, I don't really – I didn't give him a round grade, but I he, he was he was okay to watch, right? And I heard a lot of people talk about him. That's why I put him on the list for us to talk about today. There's a lot of room for improvement here, and I don't think that – I can see why a lot of people aren't a fan of him, right? There's nothing that really makes you just super stand out when you watch him. He's just an okay tight end prospect, right? And, you know, like we talked about last week, he's got to hope that we have a season because there's guys like this who need to improve a lot and who need to show that they can be better, you know, in, you know, in order to improve their draft stock. So hopefully, you know, we have a season and we can see him improve. Okay. All right. And let's kick it off to Dante for what do you think of him, man? Yeah, so uh, the first thing that stands out to me about Charlie Kohler, this man catches everything. I mean, absolutely everything. If it is in his general vicinity, he can reach it and he will squeeze it, man. He's got strong hands. I saw him finish through contact, double coverage, triple coverage, taking hits over the middle. It's a tough, tough kid. Uh, listed 6'6", 245, so he's tall. Uh, I like what Saray said about him being a red zone threat. I think that's probably where he's going to have to make his money at the next level because this is not a separation player, right? Like, th- this is not a player who is, you know, we kind of talked about, like, oh, we wish Fryermuth was quicker. Man, Fryermuth gets open. Charlie Kohler does not get open, right? <laughs> like, he relies on bullying people to get open. And, and you know, sometimes it, it is that way for tight ends, right? We've seen tight ends with that... Um, that track be successful before, right? It's not as easy to be successful that way, but we have seen guys pull it off. So I'm not going to write Charlie Kohler off just because I think he's a subpar athlete. I think he's got a lot of other traits that make him quite good. I think he can be a really good red zone threat. He's good at, you know, positioning himself and ball tracking and different things, but he's limited. There's a lot to his game that I just don't see. And Saray made an interesting point there. He said, you know, I hope Kohler has a season I think Kohler could use a season two just for the fact that to keep him in people's memories and and whatnot and, and keep him at the forefront of their mind. But I don't see the things that he's bad at. I don't see improving over the course of the year. Right. Like and it's not like he's this big burly dude. It's not like I'm going to ask him to drop weight and all of a sudden he's going to go out and run like a four six instead of a four nine or whatever he's going to end up running. Like I don't think he's going to get crazy fast i don't think he's going to get overly quick all of a sudden i don't think he's going to be overly explosive all of a sudden so for me kohler is like almost an open and shut case right now like i i don't the things that he's bad at are going to be really really difficult to improve at iowa state this year but 
the positives, great hands, reliable threat over the middle. I think he can be like a backup tight end to, you know, uh, type guy, just someone who can come in and catch, you know, I don't know, 30, 40 balls a year, maybe, you know, 400 ish yards, a couple touchdowns can be effective in the red zone. So I have an early day three grade on him. So I guess that's like a fourth round grade. Um, you know, just a, a big body, great hands, uh, not a lot to really get excited about, not a lot of upside. Um, but, you know, he, I think he can find a place in the league. You know, there are guys with his model that have had success. Okay, that's very fair enough. And I think that is a wrap to this this week's episode of the Draft Brawl podcast as we broke down all the tight ends or at least five tight ends in this upcoming draft. Um, our next episode is probably going to be somewhere on the offensive line. Maybe we're going to, you know, separate them, maybe doing some tackles and then maybe a tier offensive lineman. You know, we'll probably decide which one we want to do by then. But on that note, hope you guys all enjoyed this episode of our breakdown of the tight end. And if you guys are interested in hearing about quarterbacks, running backs, or the very stacked wide receiver class, we did two episodes on that. Go check those out. It's as easy as just looking at a title and, you know, just clicking on it. And, you know, I don't need to explain more on it. But <laughs> I hope you guys all enjoyed this episode again. And I'm out. Peace out, guys. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.